analysis, Mr. Spock. Alien weapon is a form of plasma energy, Captain. Exact composition, unknown. Guidance system, unknown. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend to you, wherever you may be. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and it is our privilege every Saturday, except when he's on vacation, to work alongside, separated by only 3,000 miles, it's a chance to work once again with Nathan Detroit. Hey, Good morning, That's Gary and Suzanne. I come in peace. <laughs> oh, I love this. Nathan, you are the best. You are the best. <laughs> Nathan Miller. And how's everything? Are you holding down Seattle for us, Nathan? Uh, no, I got some other friends in disguise right now driving or flying around, I should say, in uh, blue and gold planes, uh, ah, keeping an eye on angels. everything. Yes, they are. Blue Angels in town. That's great. That's always a lot of fun. It is. Seafair weekend, right? Absolutely. Uh, Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So we'll be having events going all over Lake Washington on the south end of that. And uh, interesting day today. Uh, Quite a bit of cloud cover. So we might be getting a different show from the Blue Angels this uh, day. Yesterday, there was no clouds. So they did their high ceiling show, did all their really high up in the sky type aerobatics and then now they're just going to keep it lower to the ground well funny that you're talking about things in the sky nathan because that is our topic today things <laughs> in the sky how about that and elsewhere yep 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 and now that congress is once again paying attention to the UFO, yep. uap phenomenon yep 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 there it's it's fascinating because i can remember being a kid sam Mirando is going to join us momentarily. Uh, Sam will remember this well when we were kids there and flying saucers. That's how they were known back in the day, of course. Flying saucers. People were watching the skies and hoping to have a sighting of their own. Samuel J. Moranto is the state director of the Illinois State Chapter of the Mutual UFO Network. He's an investigative researcher best known for his work on the Tinley Park mass sightings of 2004 and the Chicago O'Hare Gate C-17 incident of 2006. As a frequent guest to a variety of radio shows, as well as requested public speaker, Sam makes a point to cover fundamental facts that unshakably illustrate the genuine nature of this phenomenon. We want to welcome you once again, Sam Moranto, to Manson Mitchell. Well, it's great to be back. And I was just reflecting on how long it was since I was at Lake Washington watching the hydrofoil races. I was in ah. 1962. Oh, skip and a jump. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Seattle and I love the yeah. state of Washington. It's a great you know, place. I haven't been out there in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's been too long since Gary and I have visited as well. And we talk constantly about getting getting back out as soon as we can get that in our itinerary. But 
we've been we've had periods of times like with COVID where we felt like we were just locked down at home and really couldn't make any plans. Sam, we just had you on in June when the whistleblower came out with, oh my gosh, the news and was on TV and on the news. So why are we having you back again? All of a sudden, UFOs, UAPs are once again in the news with Congress. And we said, there's nobody else we would rather talk to than Sam Maranto about this. All of a sudden, there's a lot of UFO stuff in the news. What do you make of this one after the other after the other of things coming out now? What what do you think is happening? It's been a, a progression, which is we haven't seen in a very long time. Actually, we've never seen it at this level where we've had a congressional hearing. And this is where people get confused that, oh, but there was no evidence presented. Where's the flying saucer? Where's a little little guy or a body part or some darn thing or the ashtray, which so many people are asking, asking for, you know, um, it wasn't a trial. It was a hearing. And there was a huge difference in that. Um, it doesn't mean they could lie before Congress. They have to be truthful. They swear to that and they can be held accountable. And there is some, uh, nasty things that can happen if they were misrepresenting the facts. Um, and, and this is something that people don't take into consideration when they evaluate it. Uh, but we have had a consistent either monthly or two months where uh, we've had something worthwhile. Prior to that, of course, we had NASA, their panel. And then prior to that, we had, of course, first of all, you had the debrief article on the first. And then we had the NASA um presentation i believe it was may 30th or in that range and then prior to that was arrow uh with uh sean kempatrick uh, bringing his presentation um to the senate hearing so and there was one after another one after another all within june may and then of course uh, a few months prior in april so there's a lot of things going on, but this is the first time we've had actual witnesses, not government people per se, talking heads that are directed to say things, but actual witnesses coming forward. It's, a, it's an amazing time to see this. And I knew I was going to drop this into the conversation at some point, and now seems like as good a time as any. But one of the things that I caught in watching the tape of the hearings is that the people, by and large, I don't say entirely, but largely, the ones who are demanding answers from the Pentagon, from the federal government, are those who tend to be on the far right of the political spectrum. And I'm curious to know how you feel about that, because I feel strongly that if there is any subject on which Americans should be nonpartisan or bipartisan, if you will, is the subject of whether or not we are being visited by extraterrestrials. I would think that humanity itself, taken largely, is entire to that is entitled to that information without any reference to which pol political party you belong to or which which 
facet of a political party. It, it, I would love for us to, as a, as the American government, to set all that aside because it occurs to me that the world at large is not going to accept definitive information until it comes from the American government and particularly the White House as a means of verifying what it is we have been able to discover. Politics, in my opinion, has no place in that discussion. And you're absolutely correct. It, it is across the aisle accepted as being something front and center. So like Gillibrand is is right with Rubio on pushing this and from the Senate, uh, from the and, and of course, uh, Schumer presented a humongous, very impressive bill being attached to the the uh, NDAA for uh, 2020 or for 2024. So no, they have the Democratic is the Democratic side is equal, if not more powerful, considering the push and the individuals involved from the Senate. It's a matter of perception, but the actual documentation is coming. I would say more so. But in cooperation, they are working together on this issue because it it supersedes everything and anything imaginable um, that would be a political football. This is front and center because it 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 crosses the aisle because it is only the most important thing you can think about uh, is the discovery a of new technologies that would alter um, the course of humanity for the better that would enrich humanity, uh, and it may equalize and bring people up in from the, from the state of, of being impoverished. Um, the other thing is resources. To be able to move about uh, without fossil fuel, so we have the green scenario being resolved. There are many things being addressed that are that are definitely what would be considered and the democratic um, spectrum, so more so, let's say, but it's across the aisle, hands down. And the only thing holding this back is is ignorance and greed, and of course, control. Yeah, um, you know, this reminds me of of something else. I want to now actually look at the bigger picture. I don't know if you know the answer to this. But from your point of view, from your perspective, is there any influence that you can see from, from your viewpoint as to the fact that so many other countries have revealed this information where the U.S. says, keep moving, there's nothing to see here, but we have other countries around the world that are disclosing this is there do you detect any kind of influence from other countries on the US to disclose this information there there's actually three answers to that I'll I'll address the first one and first yes uh the pressure may be because this technology isn't something that's with withheld, withheld by um the United States only and that's why I think we've seen those patents that came that were registered um, through the uh, naval uh, intelligence, as far as that goes, the Department of the Navy, and that is bringing something out of the black world into the white world, so it can be a patent. If it's in the black world, 
it's not a patent because it's not it's not even talked about it doesn't even exist so it's not enforceable by uh legal or international uh rules either and those if it was a patent and then you can take some enforcement and also take some remedies on somebody making something and putting it out there that uh you may not want to have that uh technology in their hand so they're 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 doing some interesting things uh i i would say they want to start moving on this and smaller on a smaller scale little incremental things as far as technology coming out the technology's been there and I, and to say it's been there for a while i would say as far back as 54 so uh some elements of that you know all the way back to t towns and brown so yes there there's something there but as far as other countries my god we are the ones sitting in the corner with the dunce hat on we are the civilization that tr- is treated like a bunch of imbeciles other countries are acknowledging this information children are taught about this information in school uruguay of all countries they teach this in school that we're not alone there are other civilizations we have been visited we we are being visited we have communications with things from someplace else and that in itself is an, an uh you know an issue that that is another bridge to cross so but wow. yes yeah good i uh, pardon me sam I, I i come back to this political angle on because i i'm just not seeing it the way you're seeing it there and i hope you're right and i'm wrong i, I can say that in all sincerity there i would like to see this become a non-partisan issue oh rather absolutely partisan there i don't know how that's going to be managed in the current political climate. I hope that it can happen, but I'm not too optimistic at this point because people on both sides of the aisle, both sides of the aisle are looking to score political points. And we're coming up on a presidential election year, no less. So if we can get past partisanship, that's gonna be a major victory for the public. And I think that was a, always been a concern, at least in, in the world of ufology. We've only seen time and time again, as if we haven't learned, that once it falls in the hands back into Washington's hands, to the Department of Defense, back to uh, people who, you know, say for instance, Congress, who make a living most of most of their time spending uh, their time trying to get reelected again, instead of uh, looking on issues that are 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 a matter for humanity and obviously long term and that would bring resolve to a lot of issues that both sides of the aisle have you know and when it comes to the reality of it i used to be in politics and the first thing i learned there really is no politics it's a matter of agendas and i would i would go to meetings and you have senator from one side and one side or another and they're sitting there having drinks and it has to do with negotiating and who who wants to have uh, uh who's who's uh agenda needs to be addressed more so than the other and 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 i think there is no political anything with this subject in fact i know that for a fact it it's about humanity and it's about all of us and it's about our right to know um and then the fact that so much of this has not just been kept at bay but at the cost of lives and and technology has been handed to certain individuals organizations and say for instance 
corporations while others were not. They flourished while others failed. So there's, there's a lot of legal issues here too. So it's not just cut and dry. It's not just about fear or people being concerned like, oh my God, there are things out there that that really do exist? Well, well, yeah, wake up. Um, Interesting that during the mm-hmm. hearing, Sam, uh, the question was asked as to what corporations are involved in this, name names, and of course, they did not. They said, you know, this is not the time that we're able to name names. I can tell you that in, in private, in a skiff somewhere, um, but I can't really come out with it. But of course, there would be corporations that are benefiting from this. And it, it didn't occur to me until you just said it, that some will benefit and others will just go out of business if they don't have that technology. So, And they have. And that's yeah. been that's been the case in point since way right. back. And that's why they set up the national security state back in 47, 48. So this way, anything pertaining to this subject matter was not under under any sort of congressional oversight. And they want congressional oversight or some sort of oversight. When you have these uh, special access programs that have reached a higher level of being unacknowledged and super secret, they don't even exist. And this is this has been a problem, a very costly problem. You know, we hear we hear about a billion here. Or, a billion there. And that's nickels and dimes when you stop and think about the trillions of dollars that have been uh, allocated, some 40% of uh, of the defense budget is really not accountable for. So and you figures and a missing two point some billion, that's nothing. We're, in reality, it's true on trillions of dollars. Now, this is interesting, too, in terms of the governmental structure, because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but I believe it was under Harry Truman that the National Security Agency came into being. They're not reportable to Congress. They answer to the president. Yes. And uh, what gets said to a president is really only what he needs to know, and that's very limited. Uh, President Kennedy wanted to get a um, a good um, review of what was going on at um, what would be called, you know, Area 51 and out in Ellis. And he, the funny thing is, most people don't know, he did work in ONI, the Office of Naval Intelligence. So he knew a lot of detail. Well, when he got out there, basically, he was shown six cafeteria. But anything pertaining to any of this subject matter was definitely out of the question. And he requested that back in November to be informed. And there was a there is a letter to that, but something happened in Dallas that was an assurance that that information was never going to get out, uh, in addition to many other things that some folks were unhappy about. Yes, and we do hear stories from time to time about the involvement of various presidents who may have learned something and uh, others that may have been locked out of the information. And And I guess that was one of the other things that I picked up from the congressional hearings is that it isn't just a matter of no congressional oversight, 
there there's if it does not answer to the executive branch of the government then there's no oversight at all they're they're uh they're overseeing themselves much like the supreme court <laughs> well that's pretty limited too they don't have they don't have the right on yeah as much as we think put yeah. it that way. uh and and brush he he answered one of the questions very nicely. He, someone asked, now, who makes the decision as far as what we could know in a skiff or what we're, we're allowed to? And he said, well, and then somebody said, is that, at, um, is that governmental executive? And he says, well, it's, a little, it's inside the government and outside. And outside. I heard that. I heard that. Inside now, and outside. Now, if that isn't telling you something, the other interesting thing is you did recall him talking about the crash and retrieval of the Italian crash and retrieval yes. of 33, right? Yes. I wrote that down. Mm -hmm. And that fell into the hands of uh, basically what would have been the forerunner of the CIA and... Uh, that was in 1944. And in 1944, that's when they were starting to play with it and setting up their degree of secrecy. But there was a long-standing degree of secrecy and organizations or affiliations that took care of this type of scenario, even here in the United States, because we that wasn't the first Roswell wasn't the first time. Uh, Farmington, Roswell, on and on and on. 41, we had, uh, in Missouri, we had a crash. Um, Cape Girardeau. On on. Yeah, Cape Girardeau, 41. And uh, we had crashes in Nebraska, uh, 1865, or 68 or 65. And then, you know, there was all over the place. I mean, we go back to the ages. And that's why I get a kick out of when they think of, well, you know, all this started in 47 and, and then new, the newcomers in, in, in ufology, they think, oh, what's 47 is where this all started. No, it started before mankind. Okay. So we have, we have well-documented information that goes back many hundreds and not, if not thousands of years. So the, the Vatican was, was mentioned. Do you remember that? Grush yes. mentioned the Vatican. Yes, I'll I'm sure a lot of people were fascinated to hear that and didn't mm -hmm. know beforehand. And do you know they have their own intelligence agency? Yes, no. they have their own intelligence agency. Mm. I know they have their own and, observatory. Yes, and they have their own intelligence agency. And back in the 80s, that was the mid-80s, they, they formally made an agreement with uh, our intelligence agencies. But prior to that, believe me, there were associations. And these associations go back many, many years. Um, so I would say if you were to look at information uh, pertaining to long-term experiences and encounters, etc., uh, the Vatican would be one location. In those 52 miles of, of libraries, you'd have, find some interesting documents. 52 miles. Say a bit miles. more about that, Sam. 
Yeah, there's some 52 miles of underground library and some, and to get your hands on in there to look at anything, well, it takes some, takes some effort. And um, I know of a few people that have done that, been able to go in only looking at what they were supposed to look at. You don't go tromping through. If you, if you get, if you pass everything as far as the scrutiny, you will sit, receive possibly those documents, but just limited to those. But uh, that wouldn't be the only source of information. Uh, our own Library of Congress has quite a bit of information. And don't think just because it's in the Library of Congress, you have access to it. And don't think it's because you could file a FOIA that you're going to get the information you want either, especially now. Things have gotten extremely worse, not better, as far as retrieving any information. It has gotten worse. Um, so you don't expect to get too much these days. And UFO information, UAP information is the hardest to get anything on. It must be very frustrating for people who submit a Freedom of Information Act request, which is not cheap to do. You can't do it for the you know, with a self-addressed stamp envelope there. When you, you make these requests, it is expensive. And in some cases, it's expensive. And then when you get your reply from the government, you've got entire pages redacted, lined out. So you're looking at a series of black lines. And that's been the case through history uh, when it comes to ufology. One person I point out is the probably the premier expert on FOIAs and to follow up with every imaginable way possible to get uh, more information if, if you don't get it is, of course, John Greenwall of the Black Vault. He has some three million plus pages of documents. So, I mean, he's 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 been doing this since he's like 16 years old. Um, has a fantastic uh, array of information. But again, the good stuff, that's redacted. And that's what was, was being pointed out as far as Congress was saying, you know, why is it we can't just get this information? Isn't it, you know, after how many years, dead and gone, we can't get it? After, just think of the, pen, uh, the, the President Kennedy's assassination, we still can't get that information. We can't get everything. And president after president has denied the full access to all the documents. That's strange, too. There was these people are dead. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And in Clinton, far more recently, we have lost Senator Harry Reid, majority leader of the Senate. He was pivotal, crucial to getting the information out and using the government legitimately as a mechanism for reporting information to the public. And I don't know where his trail burns out and the current congressional hearings begin there. But with Harry Reid gone, I'm hoping that Senator Schumer and people on both sides of the aisle, and again, with the idea that this is nonpartisan at root, this is an issue involving information concerning the, the visitation of Earth by extraterrestrial intelligences with uh, marvelously designed spacecraft. That's something that's part of the heritage of humanity, that knowledge. It is not or should not be a political issue. 
I think one of the more interesting aspects is the concern is where they're from. Always said it's it's I've gotten into arguments, you know, they can't get here from there. First of all, we don't know who they are and we don't know where there is. And I hear astronomers make these these claims, and it is an extraordinary claim because first of all, they're they're bringing up to things that they have neither any information or any way to of assurance uh, to make that statement. We hear it time and time again. And um, we hear about extraordinary claims. You've, hear, you've probably heard that more than any other term recently when it comes to this uh, uh, hearing. And uh, the funny thing is, for something to be extraordinary, you have to have some understanding of what is ordinary. And everybody's lexicon is different in every culture uh, and every individual, period. So what's ordinary to you can be extraordinary to somebody else. A physician talking about a procedure or something else may be extraordinary to you, but I'll be doggone. It'll cure your butt. So you're going to say it's extraordinary to you and you don't want to go through with the procedure and the end result, you're just going to die. Um, the, the thing is, we've heard so much of these, this malarkey. The fact is we have objects of unknown origin that have exotic capabilities, structures, whether they come from under the water, they've been here for a thousand years, a billion years, who knows? Or from some far distant uh, galaxy. It doesn't matter. The fact, fact is, they're here. Correct? They are here. Or are they? I'm, I land on the side of they have been here going back a long, long time. And I think uh, Sam Moranto agrees with Suzanne Mitchell and myself on that point. They're what about the skeptics? What about the debunkers? I'm going to get to that on the other side of a short break. This is Manson Mitchell. We're talking with Sam Moranto. It's just your average Saturday saucer show, and we will be right back. Thanks for tuning in. Give us a couple of minutes. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, with all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty. 
yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Mark Mincola, author of The Way of Miracles, to discuss ways of accessing your super consciousness to generate miracles in your life. On Saturday, Joey Medea, author, actor, director, and storyteller, talks about one of the most notorious crimes in U.S. history, the Tate LaBianca murders. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. And our guest this hour, Samuel J. Moranto. We are happy to have him with us talking about unidentified aerial phenomenon, UFOs. He's the state director of the Illinois State Chapter of the Mutual UFO Network. Sam, if people want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? They could email me at uh, MUFON, M-U-F-O-N, Sam, MUFON, Sam, number one, MUFON, Sam, one at gmail.com, MUFON, Sam, one, gmail.com. Well, one thing I do have to say is my opinions are my own and, uh, you know, the only person responsible for my opinions, of course, would be my wife. She tells me what's when I'm <laughs> not, but your she's wife not is a dear. I've met her. You're oh, one yeah. of those friends we've met in person, and we don't often get to do that with our radio guests. And but. anywhere within a 50 mile radius of Chicago, they're going to know all the good Italian restaurants. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes. Gary, before the break, you said, what, what is the role of the debunkers and the skeptics? I still run into people, Sam, who, having heard what I have to say about Roswell, which is they're the, the crown jewel of ufological research, though that wouldn't be a unanimous opinion. But inevitably, you talk about UFOs, Roswell comes up. I still run into people who say, well, you know, you can get some people to believe anything. You know, you tell them, yeah, saucers crash in there. It's exciting. It's a romantic notion. From all that distance from wherever they came, they they crashed in the New Mexican desert back in 1947. And you get people who want to believe it because it's exciting, because it lends some mystery to their lives. And when they bring up the evidence, they bring up all the things that uh, they bring up things that are to the exclusion of known evidence, evidence that has been considered so that they say something like, well, you know, that was it was Project Mogul. It was uh, we were monitoring atomic bomb tests coming from Russia. Pretty important stuff, given the Cold War. So that's really what that's about. But people have to turn it into this big thing about aliens and flying saucers. And I just feel like when I start talking to people and they start talking that way, I'm beating my head against the proverbial brick wall. How about you, Sam? Well, the mogul explanation is every single balloon that was sent up was accounted for. The one that they say it was didn't go up because there was a thunderstorm. And that was accounted for. In other words, every single mogul balloon was known. This was also the location of the nine, the 509 atomic wing, the only atomic wing group um, in the entire world. 
Even their janitors had to have high clearance. So the bottom line, everybody working there was above grade when it came to knowing what's going on. They knew weather balloons of all different sorts. They've seen them on a regular basis. So it was malarkey. And um, there were over 600 witnesses that have been interviewed. All of them, uh, you know, many of them on their deathbed, which is in the court of law, considered very high as far as uh, uh, evidentiary, um, uh, an evidentiary witness. So, I mean, the bottom line is the, the, all the records from that period of time at the 509 in Roswell were all burnt up. You can't get them. They're gone. They burnt up in a fire in St. Louis, one of the archives there. Uh, if you attempt to get anything on that, you're not going to find anything much. So uh, the evidence was destroyed. The people are dying. This was an event that did take place. And um, the only people left today, I mean, Stanton's gone, my good friend Stanton. A few other people have passed. And uh, the person carrying on and, and carrying forth that, uh, that history, that legacy, that very important legacy, of course, is Don Schmidt, our good friend. Um, see, there are a few others. See, I'm on the break. You said you love skeptics, and, and we all took a chuckle. And, mm -hmm. and seriously, I want to ask you, what role do the skeptics play in your world that you would be happy to have them there? What? How do they? How do they motivate or move things along? Well, I, I first of all, they they make you rethink your information. You become. I personally feel I am skeptical, that, but I investigate. In other words, I'm interested in uh, being objective, not necessarily skeptical, but I want to make sure that whatever I bring forward is the highest quality of information I can bring forward. And, and, and the other thing is important. It's very important to qualify your statements. If it's an opinion, it's an opinion. If it's speculation, fine. If you're pre everybody has the right to an opinion. Facts are facts. You don't have the right to your own fact. A fact is a fact. And, and what happens here is they do make you test and rethink many of what you think to be true or factual. There is no truth when it comes to science. It's tentative. So we're looking for higher quality evidence, and that's fine. And and I find them at times entertaining. So I, I get a gig a lot of them. Uh, sometimes they're absolutely correct. And I would have been in the same court with them. So it's not a matter of emotional anything. It's a matter of just uh, being pragmatic and analyzing the information properly. And I would agree with that. From the congressional hearings that were just given, do you anticipate, because those particular Congress people said, we're going to be looking into this, we're going to be asking questions, do you see that there will be more of these hearings coming up within the next few months or a year? Yes, there's going to be another one in September. Uh, there's going to be a NASA a UAP panel presentation, which I would expect to be nothing earth-shattering at all. Uh, in fact, it's going to be quite a, quite the contrary, quite to the contrary, I should say, of, of anything of, of a major revelation. 
they're more interested in those things that are unacknowledged debris or those things that can be addressed. In fact, Kirkpatrick, Sean Kirkpatrick brought up, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, I should say, he brought up, you know, the difference between those things that they can mitigate and address, debris, spy balloons, et cetera, those things that are prosaic. And then those things that are just outside that realm uh, to give that to, you know, basically onto somebody else, take a peek at. It's going to be somebody else's problem, SCP. And he mentioned that many, many a time. So it'll probably go back to the same uh, agencies, same sub-agencies or subgroups that have been doing this all along. It'll be nothing new. You, we were talking about being uh, fed tiny little teaspoons of information at a time. And the fact that we're with the dunce caps because so many other countries around the world are um, making this known to their people. And could you see the continuation of a teaspoon at a time Or could you see the floodgates opening at some point and a lot getting revealed all at once? You can't let the nose of the genie out without eventually the rest of it coming along. In other words, there there is going to be a tipping point. Have we met that? Yes. I think we have. I think we we might see a a tipping point now. But what revelation will that be on? And I'm mainly concerned about the social dynamic. That's where I, I pay a lot of attention to everything. I pay attention to how media, you know, which is extremely controlled, um, see how they manage the propaganda, what new narrative is being assembled, as it being presembled, how is the new narrative assembled, what is the new narratives? And you'll see that to be a pretty uniform across the board, um, especially on the major networks and news outlets, uh, journals, etc. And then you'll see a new layer of other alternative resources taking the lead on some of this. And uh, science, academia is probably going to be the one that gets gets shaken up the most out of all this, if you were to say, what is going to be shaken up the most is academia because there's a high degree of arrogance in there. Um, as far as technology goes, uh, you know, if you're a, a, a company that's in the fossil, the fossil fuel industry or even, even the nuclear um, uh, environment, let's say of corporations, things are going to change when you realize there are other forms of technology that may be available that would put you out of business or stifle your industry. So, yeah, I, I could see that we're at we're at a tipping point. But who is who is it going to affect, and how is it going to affect us? It may be affecting us as far as a revelation, but as far as an initiation, where it's going to affect us um, at the grocery store or what, what we're driving. I think that has already been initiated by electric cars. And just that may be the forefront um, of what's going to be next. It, it may say, how so? It, it, on a very small level, 
but yet that was significant. So things are moving along, but it's going to be, I think we're going to see some major revelations and they're probably going to do some pullbacks. I can see that already. They do pullbacks, but uh, I'm interested to see what, what do you think? You're watching this. I haven't asked you. No, we're, we ask the questions and you answer them. <laughs> Interesting right. thing about the uh, social dynamic, Sam, and this is what I remember the uh, the, the War of the Worlds, Orson Welles um, a radio broadcast that wreaked havoc in New York, even though he, Orson Welles kept insisting that it was entertainment and it was announced several times that people still panicked. And so one excuse I've heard is we can't come out with everything because people will panic. Here, here's one of the things that I, I think about. From all the people that we've talked to over many, many years about this topic, including Stanton Friedman, Don Schmidt, a lot of people uh, in ufology, it seems to me that for the most part, Things are extremely positive as far as the advancement of humans, the advancement of technology, becoming uh, more united in a one world and taking our place here as humanity. Yes, we might be simpletons, but, you know, here we are doing the best we can. And that most of the extraterrestrials seem to be very benevolent. And yet we hear about a couple of races that may not be and may not want us to advance and be out there. And so it concerns me that the the fear is going to, like the War of the Worlds, there will be a fear element that is going to go crazy if the, it is discovered that an extraterrestrial has somehow killed a human and and done something with with that body. Well, um, that, that's the social dynamic I think about. If that's could, one of the social dynamics, definitely. If we, if we yeah. could, if we could all assume everything is friendly and everything is fine, and we're all going to advance together, that's a a good place to come from. But if you're living in fear, and and who wouldn't? I mean, I got an alien showing up at my door. I'm I'm going to wet myself. You know, it's going to be <laughs> oh my god. I will be scared out of my mind if I come face to face with an alien. There is that fear factor of the unknown and what are they going to do to me because their powers are so much greater than our powers. First of all, they can get here. We can't get there, but they can get here. And so they have the power over us. And it is all about who's got the power. And, and so that fear factor comes into play if if suddenly we discover there's a few extraterrestrials that are not so friendly. And I understand that. Who's to say they haven't been involved with us since day one, which I think is the case. And when I say they, it isn't necessarily every type of being. And we're talking about a multiplicity of beings. 
as far as where they're from, may not necessarily be extraterrestrial. It may be dimensional or other things that we can't even comprehend. The other component is the fact that we may be sharing this planet already with some of these beings and have done so for who knows how long. Um, And that is a, a very strong possibility for some of these beings. We are in a position now to at least address that concern and and the fact that it is a reality and therefore it should be addressed. And um, not everybody is concerned about it. I was talking to my sister yesterday and she quite simply says, I don't want to know. I'm not interested. Now, I was like, really? How many people have, have you met that are not really interested in the subject? I have yet to meet somebody who is not interested in the subject. That was a first, and that's my own blood. So, And she's a brilliant person, too. So, I mean, I would say fear is a component. First of all, fear is one of the best commodities. Uh, it, it is, it, it's what drives us. It's fear. Greed is actually fear. Fear is one of those things that... that uh, uh, strikes to court with every human being, and uh, not just every human being, but anything sentient um, that has any sort of senses that knows what pain or deprivation of of something that would make you live, uh, oxygen or water. So your dog knows pain, or your cat, they know pain, and they have fears. Um, some of those are innate to keep you alive. Some of them you just learn, and that's the basis of that social dynamic is to drive fear into you and to control it and to divide us and to keep us at each other's throats. And then the illusion just keeps on going on and on and on. And we sit in the corner with the dunce hat. Oh, thank you for saying it that way. I do appreciate that, Sam. Well, thank you. Someone who could not be credibly accused of wearing a dunce cap would be the whistleblower himself, David Grush. And there are others, but he has attracted a lot of attention. Do you have a preliminary opinion or evaluation of David Grush and his contribution to this renaissance look, close look at UFOs and UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, from the standpoint of a guy who is trained in the hard science of physics? I think you're seeing a man, and if he's earnest as he seems to be, and I know people who have met him, I don't know anybody personally that knows him very well, but those individuals who do know him very well and highly credentialed and are people in in a um, in 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 this in the position that we would have to say uh, they know what they're talking about. Uh, this man, I think, is just fed up and realizes the degree uh, or the gravity of of what has been going on cannot be kept going on that this the uh, illusion to be kept at bay to keep this thing kept secret as long as it has has cost us so much more um, than we can imagine it has stifled our growth it has caused great problems that we can't even imagine and i think we will eventually come to terms with them if given an opportunity to at least let this come forward and and just do it. You know, bite the bullet. Let's move on. They're here. Who they are, what they are, and 
and all of this has nothing to do with who we are, what we are, and why we are, because we are at the crux of the problem or the solution. It all sits there. It's us. It's all about us. It's not them. It's us. Well, thank you for that, Sam. I'm I'm waiting to see, and I hope I don't see it, but nevertheless, I'm I'm alert to the possibility that if the mainstream scientific world and the politicians can knock down David Grush, they can, as it were, knock down the whole thing and we can just move on to other partisan issues and just leave this UFO flying saucer stuff for the people wearing the tinfoil hats. And I know I should note for our listeners that you are not, as we're on Zoom, you're not wearing one of those. No. <laughs> you're very serious-minded. Yes. Yeah, I think the uh, if we address this problem, all those other issues would disappear quite quickly. And that's why we need to address it. They all stem from this. A degree of control on something that is so critical to our well-being that would alleviate alleviate so much of it that the pettiness would disappear immediately. I, I find it in, very enjoyable to see people who have these divisive things going on in their lives, their lives and their and their politics. But when they're addressing this, and they they're in skiffs, and when they're briefed on it, all of a sudden that takes a, a much further uh, uh, distance uh, uh, location in there. What needs to be taken into consideration so i think i I, i'm hopeful on this it's good to be optimistic let's end on that hopeful note absolutely sam thank you so much for spending time with us today talking about this subject and i predict we will be talking to sam moranto again about this very subject (laughs) and and in the not too distant future if the news keeps breaking sam we're going to keep calling you thank you so much always a pleasure great All right. And we're going to do this all again next weekend with uh, other people. What do you think, Gary? Other beings. Other beings. Other sentient beings. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We hope you're having a great weekend. We hope it only gets better from here. Here's what's coming up next week on Manson Mitchell. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Mark Mincola, author of The Way of Miracles, to discuss ways of accessing your super consciousness to generate miracles in your life. On Saturday, Joey Medea, author, actor, director, and storyteller, talks about one of the most notorious crimes in U.S. history, the Tate LaBianca murders. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150.